Thank you, Scott. Hey, uh, just real quick, that step study is going to be really, really good. I heard rumor. So you want to make sure that you, uh, you, yeah, you want to make sure you show up for that. It's going to be a really good one. Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I'm in recovery for sexual addiction. Authenticity. Being authentic is really not a characteristic of a multiple affair adulterer. Lying is, covering up is, helping women keep their masks on and not be real. Those are those characteristics of an adulterer, but they are not authentic. Did I wear a mask? Yes. Oftentimes more than one mask. Time does not really permit me to share with you how or why I learned to put masks on, multiple masks. Even before, way before coronavirus, I learned to put multiple masks on. But please believe me, I did learn how to do that. It was not until I came into these rooms, this place called Celebrate Recovery. In fact, in the back there was the first time I came here. In those rooms of recovery at CR, I learned that I was even wearing a mask. I didn't even know that. It was here that I took the steps to slowly, sometimes painfully, but always freeingly remove all of those masks to become real, to become authentic. Two very important events happened that changed my course on becoming real, on becoming authentic, on becoming and allowing me to remove my masks. The first one was a time I spent with my sponsor, and he said to me, you know what, Brian? You need to be real. You need to be truthful in your business. And he told me a story, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I do that all the time. I don't necessarily lie, but I definitely don't tell the truth, how long it takes to get something done. And he taught me that very early on, and it allowed my mask of not telling the truth to come off. The second event happened here. There's a person here who I admire very much. And we were in the main worship center, and I was walking by, and they said to me, or said to somebody else, I'm sorry, they said to somebody else, hey, don't forget to practice these principles in all your affairs. And it was like there was a megaphone in my ear. Brian, are you practicing these principles in all your affairs? No. I was not. And it was the beginning of me really beginning that process of removing my mask. Two very important steps. Step six, I was entirely ready to have God remove all my defects of character. And step seven, really important here, to humble myself and really begin to work on those steps that I need to take. Do I have masks? Honestly, yes, at times, I still will put one on. Am I more authentic? Yes. Am I practicing the principles of recovery to make myself more authentic? Yes, I am. I want to thank Scott and Scott and the TEAM for every day. Thank you, you guys, for allowing me to see what real authenticity is and to practice it. Everybody, thanks for letting me share.
Hello. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I celebrate recovery from methamphetamines, marijuana, alcohol, tobacco, anger, sexual impurities, and a mess of sin. And by the grace of God, I didn't get high or act out today, and my name is Joshua. <clears throat> Before I knew Jesus Christ, I thought I was authentic. I thought I was realer than real. I would not hesitate to tell you how I felt or what I thought, even if what I told you was full of lies. You see, I was trying to be someone I was not. I would put on a mask of a tough guy to pump fear and control people, places, and things around me. Truth is, I was scared. Scared that no one would accept me for who I really was. I wanted to be liked and accepted so bad I became someone I was not. I put on that mask so much I began to believe that's who I was. Then I met my one and only higher power, Jesus Christ. I began to learn that, that I am God's masterpiece, that I am perfect just the way I truly am. I began to take the mask off. Trouble in life would show up, and I would put my mask back on. For so many years, this mask worked for me. I was comfortable with it on. The more I dug into the Word of God, the more I was able to keep the mask off. Even as a Christian who believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified for my sins, I would still put that mask back on from time to time. It was my go-to defense mechanism when things didn't go the way I wanted. One of these times I fell back into the world and I got robbed for the two, the two pistols on my waist. Long story short, by the grace of God, I got arrested with another gun on my way to retaliate. In prison, I found Celebrate Recovery. I began... <laughs> I began to dig into my past, take an honest look at myself. Once out, I began to clean up my side of the mess I, I created. I attended a CR near me, and more, for more than a year, I found myself traveling here to Modesto, where I met some people that I felt truly cared. Their love seemed genuine, and I started opening up. After going through a step study, I found freedom. I could look people in the eye again. I could be open and let out what was really going on inside my head. I found people that were authentic. People that learned how to take off their masks and be who they were meant to be. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's King James Version, or New King James Version. But other translations, it says we are his masterpiece. As for me, I know now who I am and who I was created to be, his masterpiece. As his masterpiece, I learned to truly be authentic. I now can be real 
with myself, with God, and with people around me. I now live without lies, and let me tell you, it is much easier. <laughs> I can just be me. When I show someone love, it is genuine. I truly care. It's not with ulterior motives. When someone questions me, I don't have to try to remember what I told them. I just tell them the truth. <laughs> no more covering lies with lies for me. No more covering lies with lies. For me, most importantly, I don't have to worry about what this world thinks of me. My only concern is what my Father in Heaven thinks of me. So if you are here, if you are new around here, I want to encourage you to go to small group, to stick around for fellowship and ice cream. <laughs> or maybe come early and get to know some people. This is a safe place. And you will find authentic people around here. If you've been here for a while and haven't got plugged into a group or gone through a step study, let me tell you this. It is a game changer. Please step out of what is comfortable and dig into this amazing program. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, guys. I'm a grateful believer in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, struggling with sexual addiction, and my name is Bruce. My journey began in the mid-70s during my high school years. When it seemed like to be popular, it was all dependent upon the number of girls you could get in bed. I graduated at 17 years old, moved away from home. By the time I was 19, I was married and had my first daughter. By the time I was 21, I had two kids and I was already separated. During my short-term marriage, I continued to run around chasing women in bars and on the street working 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week, not being a parent or a husband. After my divorce, I decided to leave California and travel to other states working in various cities. This was a repeated pattern that I seemed to have trying to escape. The psalmist says to us in verse 139, verses 7 through 12, Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. I continued to chase women and even lived with one for a while and attended her church even though I never intended on having a monogamous relationship. After a few years of traveling, I moved to Alaska where I met my current wife. Even when we were dating, I was still looking and chasing after other women. I thought that maybe our that maybe our marriage would stop me from chasing after other women, but that would be only a short pause from our marriage when I decided to continue having affairs. We were married in 1983, had our son in 1984, had our daughter in 1988. I've been married for 37 years, but sadly, if I had a <laughs> but sadly, I've had affairs for 30 of those years. In 2003, after having several several affairs. I thought my life would be better if I was single, so I left my wife. 
This caused tremendous hurt and pain to not only my wife, my kids, my family, and was completely unexpected and was very selfish and left irreparable damage to everybody. I chose to run from my problems and seek attention and affirmation from other women rather than trying to deal with my problems. We reconciled after a short nine months. I started attending church regularly, and then six months later, when I thought I was secure back home, I dropped the bomb that I actually had several affairs during our marriage, which is what led me to the separation. I thought I was strong enough to take care of myself, to be able to handle my desires and temptations, to maintain my sobriety. But that quickly ended about three years later when I returned to my addictive behavior. In 2018, my wife presented me with a large stack of email correspondences, phone records, social media chats from various women, and asked me to leave. I had two feelings that day. One was sorrow for all the pain that I'd caused and all the damage that I'd done again to our marriage. But this time I had another feeling, and that was feeling a re relief of this burden, this weight, the secret life that I had was lifted and now exposed in the light. Psalms 32 verse 5 says, Then I let it all out. I said I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved. My sin disappeared. I reached out to a friend of mine and told him what was going on. And he invited me to come with him to a Tuesday morning men's group here. It was through those men that I was able to I was encouraged to participate and celebrate recovery on Tuesday night. And back in those days, we actually had worship inside. It was here that I actually felt God take hold of me and start to make a change, recognizing that I wasn't the only person in this world, that I had issues with sexual addiction, and that there was others that could help me on this journey of recovery. It was through some special programs, such as Hope and Healing Ministries, Facing the Shadow Studies, My Step Studies, other resource materials that I was able to recognize my character defects and work on making a positive change to become the man God always wanted me to be. During my recovery journey, one of the hardest things I had to do was sit across from my wife, look her in the eyes, and express the hurt and pain that she was feeling. It was at that moment I could identify how terrible I had been and how sorry I was. This is when I really had to be authentic to my wife and my marriage. Nothing can change the past, but I look forward to the future, staying in the recovery programs. Understanding how to deal with my character defects and focusing on the love of my Lord and Savior helps me race towards the finish line. I look forward to that day meeting Jesus, hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant, because I know my sins have been forgiven and that Jesus loves me. For the newcomer, participate in CR, in the open share groups, stay connected with accountability partners and find a sponsor. Like it says in the big book, until we actually sit down, talk out loud about what we so long hidden, our willingness to clean house is still largely theoretical. When we are honest with one another, with another person, it confirms that we have been honest with ourselves and with God. Remember, nobody came in these rooms on a winning streak. We are all burdened with hurts, habits, and hangups. And as we share those with others, we can learn to understand the healing process. We are all uniquely designed by God, but one thing we have in common, he designed us with a desire for community. Thanks for letting me share.
Oh, the writing looks so small. Uh, hello, my name is Mark, and I'm a grateful follower. I'm laughing because I wrote my first and last name down on this thing, and you don't share your last name. Um, and I'm a grateful follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery for sexual addiction. I want to share about my personal experience with authenticity, specifically in my life before and after I came to the rooms of Celebrate Recovery. When I first thought of the word authenticity, I had to laugh. Me, authentic, uh, not a description that I think ever would have been used about me, at least in the past many, many years. Then when I mentioned the idea to my wife about sharing on authenticity, she laughed too. <laughs> but then said, well, you're a lot more authentic now since going to CR than you ever were before. Uh, and for the record, I also recently told my sponsor that I was sharing on authenticity and he laughed as well. Uh, I don't know where being a fake became a way of life for me, but I'm a salesman by vocation, and typically sales and authenticity are diametrically opposed. Uh, so needless to say, it does not come naturally to me, and I have to work on it constantly. I've learned in recovery that the opposite of authenticity is dishonesty, wearing a mask, being a fake all of which are character defects. You might have heard when they read the steps that step six said, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, so at some point they had to go. As I was preparing for this topic, one definition I read says that authenticity is consistency in words, actions, and beliefs. Well, I had spent most of my entire adult life being anything but consistent in words, actions, and belief. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm in sales, so I would say and do just about anything to get the sale over the years. Justifying my lying by saying to myself, no one expects a salesman to be honest all the time. And while we're on the subject of authenticity, or should I say being inauthentic, every time I would go on business trips, or most of the times, or be away from home, I would behave as a completely different person than what I was at home with my family or especially at church. I would drink, often getting drunk, but I would justify it by saying, I don't have to drive, so I'm not doing anything illegal. I would smoke cigarettes or cigars with the guys, have a foul mouth, look at anything inappropriate my colleagues would show me on their phones. Of course, I wouldn't have it on my phone, so I wouldn't get caught if anyone ever checked my phone when I got home and flirt and have inappropriate relationships with women. Many times over many years, I'd get asked by my colleagues, I thought you were married with a family. You're sure not acting like it, are you? Or didn't you say that you were a Christian or religious? I didn't think Christians acted like that or got drunk. But this exposing of my hypocrisy didn't faze me at all. In my denial, I would just make light of it, saying things like, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. It's still a source of guilt and shame to recall those days of self-serving hypocrisy that I'm sure grieve my Savior. I'm learning to forgive myself and have even made amends with some of my colleagues where I could. So this went on year after year, getting worse until, as we learned in the rooms, my life became unmanageable. A lifelong friend who has also been my one and only sponsor for the last 10 years or so of recovery strongly suggested 
if I had any hope of saving my married and family life, that I go to a sexual addiction counselor in Fresno, and he started me on my first of several step studies where I now chose to be rigorously honest for the first time. Page two. <clears throat> I now work on being, I say work on being, I have not arrived, at being authentic everywhere by first being accountable to a few close brothers on an almost daily basis. I also continue to practice the principles of recovery in all my conduct. And I regularly attend meetings and share about my experience, strength, and hope, the good and the bad, asking my higher power, which is Jesus Christ, to do for me what I could not do for myself. Lastly, I noticed from reading about the life of Jesus that he was in constant communion and meditation with his heavenly Father, which reminded me of step 11, which says we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for his knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. If I do this step, he promises in his word to search me and try my thoughts and see if there's a way of lies one translation reads, in me and lead me in the everlasting way, which to me is authenticity. I try to use the life of Jesus as an example in my recovery accountability relationships as well. I noticed that in the scriptures, Jesus had three very close friends, Peter, James, and John. So I too have three very close friends that know everything about me. I trust them fully and tell them all my secrets. Then I noticed that Jesus had 12 disciples that he shared life with intimately. So similar, I have a group of six, not 12, but six people that I meet with biweekly, and we ask each other the hard questions to stay sober and authentic. Lastly, to the rest of my world, I stand ready to give an answer for the hope that's within me. If God specifically through my coming to the rooms of CR could bring about authenticity to this lifelong hypocrite, we say it's progress, not perfection, so I know it's a work in process, most likely for the rest of my life, then I am absolutely confident that he can do the same for every one of you. If you're willing, the next step, go to open share groups. Thanks for letting me share. All right, everybody give those four guys a standing ovation as we close. Thank you guys. It's definitely a step into authenticity to go public. Big deal for any of us who've ever made that step. I want to encourage you just to write your testimonies and begin to share publicly the difference Jesus has made in your life. That's a real seal in your life that it's true. And uh, so think about that. You know, I, I, as I listened... Uh, about authenticity, I thought of two things that are, are really necessary, and, and, and we just heard it at the end. you got to have a willingness to want to be authentic and a recognition that it's a need in your life, but you've got to find a safe place to do it because there are no safe places to open up about our secrets, and that's why we are a ministry of grace and authenticity here where nobody's going to beat you up for whatever you're hiding. And it's a place you can go and find support and encouragement no matter what story you need to tell. And so I do want to encourage you to go to group if you haven't been. If you've been and you're thinking of going home, go to group. And uh, that's where the beginning safety net begins to spread with your relationships and the way it's structured that you can open.
open up and find freedom that those four guys have. And, and just give them another round of applause. We're really appreciative of them. So we're closed with the serenity prayer. If you don't know it, mumble along. If you do, join me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. All right, first-time guests, we'll meet you right on top of the hill. See you all back in an hour for dessert. <laughs>